Welcome to Pop On Leadership, a conversation with two friends who are obsessed with leadership development and the world of pop culture. So we decided to combine the two. I'm Kara Kirby. And I'm Virginia Martinez. We work with organizations all over the world to inspire and implement people-first practices. We're here to talk about navigating the workplace, and we do it through the lens of great television. Let's get into it. Okay, everyone. Welcome back. We are now on episode five. So this season is starting a little bit slow, but it's And this episode is also slow, but we're going to see a ramp up start to happen. There's going to be some changes happening soon. So we're excited to talk about this. This episode's called Signs. And Virginia, will you give us your beautiful overview? Yeah, yeah. I I agree. Like rewatching the season, you know, I felt that the first time through, I'm like, what's happening? How are they going to tie up all these loose ends? Like we're almost halfway through the season. Like, come on, folks, pick it up. And then rewatching it now, knowing how it plays out. I feel less anxious, you know, like, oh, they actually did a really nice job. You know, it's just like, totally. we were all like on the edge of our seats and it wasn't moving to the pace we wanted to knowing it was the final season. And, but yeah, so this is, this episode called signs is, is, is really, I think it starts a turning point in the season. The team is losing. They've had seven losses in a row, even with Zava, they've become overly reliant on him. Um, what else is going on? Rebecca bumps into her old, I, I don't know what we would call him. He, they weren't really boyfriend, girlfriend, John. He's engaged. And if you recall, she had seen a psychic who had predicted all these like kind of random things, the green matchbook. And then also night, shite in nining armor. And then like that happened. So now Rebecca's like, wait a minute. Is there like, is there something to this? Um, like Zaba eventually is a no-show. The team finally starts seeing through his bullshit. Nate is somehow set up with a model and takes her to Taste of Athens, his favorite restaurant, and she's not impressed. But guess who is? Jade notices a little bit of like how Nate is being his real self, and she's kind of thinks it's cute, right? Um, and then there's this uh kind of centerpiece <laughs> of this show where Keely and Jack and Shandy. You know, Shandy now is really bitter that she got reprimanded over the the banter thing. So she goes and starts her own dating app. And guess what? She's like, she's like, it's called Starfucker. It's for, pe- and like, it's for people who respect people that want to have sex with celebrities. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so... Jack gives Keely some advice on how to fire Shandy, right? And um, in addition to like, sort of like teaches her the compliment sandwich and things like that. And, and well, we'll talk about that. Keely does it, but it, that, that does not go well. So, <laughs> so I thought, I thought we could talk about those things, like the compliment sandwich, like, you know, we've talked about feedback a lot, but then there's like very specific frameworks that people use. And the compliment sandwich has been around for a long time. And I'm, and then for folks who don't know or forgot what it is, basically it's like, I tell you something nice. You are so good at this. I insert a little bit of bad news. However, and then I wrap up with some more like positive affirmation, right? And so you kind of sneak the bad stuff in the middle. And that's the idea of the compliment sandwich. And um, what what's your take on it, Kara? Uh, 
I have I have a take on this, but I just want to say that watching these episodes again is such a nice experience. And yeah. I know that we keep saying that, but like I just keep picking up on these little tiny things. And I would yeah. I'm having so much more fun watching it a second time around. So if anybody is listening, like I just want to just make a plug for Ted Lasso to go watch it again because you'll you'll pick up on so it's just such a different experience. Okay, for sure. the compliment sandwich. And I actually have a question for you on this. Do you feel like mm -hmm. this is like the, like when you're teaching classes on feedback or working with people on this, is this like the number one thing that you have to correct people on? Um, I, I think what bothers me, there are certain things about the compliment sandwich that don't bother me. But the thing that bothers me is that like when folks are using it kind of like chicken out, like it feels insincere, like they just want to get to the bad stuff. So they sort of make up this good stuff as the sandwich or the bread part. Um, I don't I, I don't mind that feedback is balanced where you're trying to yeah. be objective and sh and share look, there's really good stuff. You're not a train wreck, but given these circumstances or what's being asked or the expectations, like, you know, and, and making it seem like there's a dynamic that it's just not that they're terrible and everyone else is perfect. So I, that sentiment, I don't mind, but I don't like the sneaking bad, some bad news in there and, and trying to come out like a good guy that I don't love. Well, I have a strong stance. It's not that like, I, it's not that I don't love it. It's do not do it. Like, <laughs> no, I, no, I'm serious. Like, so I, I mean, I'm very strong on this is that it is not, it doesn't work. Um, it creates really, really bad, like anxiety inside of organizations because it, because Okay, if you kind of like break it all down, if you're using a compliment sandwich, it's because you're scared to have a hard conversation. So you're doing it to protect yourself. Whereas if you're yes. having a hard conversation with someone, you need to be in the mindset that you're doing it for their benefit. It has nothing to do yeah. with you. So like I, this is my number one thing. Like I get into this conversation with people a lot and I'm like, take it out, take like hard pass, hard line in the sand, do not do this. Because then anytime you're actually telling someone something nice, they're going to be waiting for the other shoe to drop. And that's a Absolutely. shitty situation to be in. That's why they call this the shit sandwich, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It's not called the compliment sandwich. It's called the shit sandwich. I agree. And you put it so perfectly because I think that's, you just nailed why I find it so insincere because you are trying to protect yourself. yourself. You're trying to get it over with. You're trying to make yourself more comfortable you're in, in the process of like softening or, you know, a spoonful of sugar. You're actually like, people leave, you're like, what is it that you're saying? <laughs> and you see that with Shandy too, right? Like, I think it's a great example in the show because Shandy's like, yeah, I know, I'm awesome. And then she's like, you're doing what? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, she's just a hysterical character. I still don't know if we needed her, but she's pretty funny. I, could, you know, I would and... watch a, I'd watch a spinoff with Shandy though. I like... <laughs> found her very entertaining <laughs> oh my god okay would you rather would you rather shandy have stayed or jack have stayed oh god uh or like a spinoff series where they get lost on an island together that's what i want sure <laughs> oh yeah when they're both okay yeah they're both in some distress. i would have rather okay. oh man for our poor keely i don't know which would have been more destructive uh, I mean, at least she has Barbara. Barbara, yeah. Barbara's that's, terrible that's too. I mean, she, yeah, she, she is. She'll come like, around. I mean, Barbara she just needs some love. 
Barbara is this season's Nate. We're just not talking about her this way, you know? Like, Barbara's hurt. She's a wounded puppy. She's scared to be herself. Like, she's very reliant on, like, what other people think of her. She's a chameleon. (laughs) Yeah. She's probably probably an Enneagram 3. I bet. Yeah. Um, but that's like the true buddy story of this season with Keely, you know, not, not the Shandy and the Jack stuff, but whatever. I mean, maybe they needed those characters in there so that like Barbara really shines. I love that they showed that she got in a, like, she got into a relationship with another narcissist, right? So we see the start of Keely and Jack getting into a relationship in this episode that I love that they made it a woman. Because it, like, we always see the narcissist man, right? Um, but, mm-hmm. but that's, it's not like you can be a narcissist. It doesn't matter. I mean, it all comes from your childhood being very painful and not being listened to and not understood, right? Like anyone can go through that experience and then develop those narcissistic protective layers. But I, but we usually see it in men and we don't see those characters as like, as a woman. And I love that they show this in Jack yeah. because it gives you a different experience of like, okay, so let me, so in, in the scene, there's a grand gesture and it, it, it feels different as it being her girlfriend rather than her boyfriend. Yeah. We start seeing like, I mean, I guess I'm not as well-versed in like, like narcissism. <laughs> no, I mean like, or like the definition of it or ability to like point it oh, out. I, I mean, it. I think I, it's like one of my favorite I, things to read about. <laughs> the, the thing that I uh what thought was interesting about this jack storyline is that like okay it's pretty like cliche that you have an office romance and that there's like a power dynamic and that you know someone sleeps with their boss and you're right in most cases right that is like the person in power is the man right like that is what we've been shown through tv history or movie history right like office romance is not a new plot line mm-hmm. It's not even, it's real. It happens, right? Like, um, so, but the dynamic is usually the, the female secretary with the male boss. And in this case, you've got two women. And I, so I thought that was a really interesting way to get show a balance, but also no balance, right? Like the, the disbalance, or is that the word? Imbalance. Imbalance is the word of power. Cause she's still the investor. She's still yes. her boss. She still, she still decides whether keely gets funding or has a job Mm -hmm. and yet there's like still some sort of feels slightly different right feels more balanced in a way because it's you don't have that like the the same old cliche gender dynamic that we're used to seeing in movies i don't know i thought that was interesting yeah no it's um it just yeah it's just a totally different angle and the other thing about Jack is that she comes from like a very elite family. So there's another big power um, imbalance there as well, is that she has all this yeah. immense wealth and she comes from this elite family. And, and yeah, you usually, yeah, you usually see that as like the big powerful guy and the secretary, but this is totally different. Yeah. 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 Okay. So don't do a compliment sandwich. <laughs> Don't do a compliment sandwich. Don't do a compliment sandwich. Oh, here's one. Here's an example of a compliment sandwich. I love in this episode that Keely was able to find a moment of laughter and happiness after a lot of sadness. However, I don't know if it's appropriate to hook up (laughs) with your boss 
And yet, they're both so fashionable. <laughs> There's a compliment sandwich. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, there you go. Keely, um, please stop. <laughs> we love you so much, and you have such electric charisma, but please stop acting like such a moron because you're not one. <laughs> No, I know that it's not her fault. They like set her up this way. Even in the start of this episode where she's talking to Jack about what to do with a client or what have you. And it's like, Keely's so fashionable, but like her boobs are like out on the desk. Enough that I'm like, whoa, this is racier than usual for Keely in the office. Like, I don't know. Like, I just don't know if she would have. I don't know. There are so many choices about Keely that I just feel a little off. But anyway. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm like, no, I'm not body shaming and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> body body positivity. <laughs> but like, it was the, like, it, I, I think that scene was set up, like, how could you pay attention to anything else? You know, and I think that was the kind of like underlying joke of like, can Keely be taken seriously when you're kind of, you're boobs are I don't know I don't know and I think that's a little foreshadowing for what happens a couple episodes ahead right but okay um the but but staying on Keely Jack and Shandy Shandy does get fired and she doesn't react well she brings back the little baby lamb <laughs> locks the baby lamb up in a conference room and lets it poop all over the place and this eventually is how jack and keely bond they clean up the mess and then you know um have a good laugh and and find a connection but i wanted to talk to you about like okay not the compliment sandwich for feedback or anything else especially not for letting someone go but letting someone go is hard. Oh, it's the worst <laughs> um but i wanted to i i want to i have to do two call outs before we get into this topic though so they did a call back to jerry Maguire in the scene yes where yes. shandy's quitting she does the whole who's coming with me <laughs> and it's so perfect and then she goes and gets oh no 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 it's the it's it's the model. Okay, I'm thinking of something different. But Anastasia gets in the car with all her models, and it's a call back. Yeah, a call back to Zoolander. I was like, this is so great. Okay, anyways, yeah, great. No, I know the jitterbug. <laughs> Wake me up before you go go. Yeah, we're like Anastasia's model friends pull up in a convertible, oh and she God. like rushes out. I love that movie with a fiery passion when I was younger. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. Um, okay. So Shandy has, yeah. So Shandy gets let go. She has her Jerry Maguire moment. So yeah, let's talk about, um, yeah, this, this topic of letting somebody go. Cause this is, this sucks. Like I, I, it sucks. Um, and it's often talked about like in the form of layoffs. Right. But I think there's also moments where there's it's just like a one-on-one -on -one situation, right? Like lately there's been a lot of conversation in the news about like how to handle layoffs, how people are doing it poorly, I don't think there's any great way to do it, but there's less bad ways to do it. But then that you have these one-on-one -on -one moments, right? Where it's clearly someone is either struggling, um, being toxic, or like really hurt, a liability, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, she is a liability. She is all, and she kind of like all of those things. Um I, I think it's, uh, we've, we may have mentioned this before. I forget, you know, we repeat ourselves, but like higher, slow, fire, fast. I think there's the, when 
when you see, and that's not to say that like, if someone is like, oh, if we support them, if we coach them, if we mentor them, if we teach them, if we give them training, like, could this be remedied? Right. I think there's always a moment that you should ask yourself that, like, could I have done something different to set this person up for success? Did I commit to setting up for success and let them down? Like there, that, that's something that often needs to be reflected before you let someone go because it could be preventable, but then you have situations where it's just like, it's, it can't, it can't, it can't work. Um, I think you have to be uh, not sugarcoating. You don't have to be rude, but I do think you have to make it objective about the job and what has been observed. And it's like, when we hired you, it was for this job. And the expectations were that the person in this job, and you can make it about like whomever's in this role. So it's not like the expectation was that you would do this, this and that, like you starts to get combative, but you can say the expectation was that the person in this role would be able to over the past so many weeks, we have observed this when given this feedback, we have observed you haven't done these things. We think that you have great talents and could thrive somewhere else, but unfortunately we're going to have to like, you know, I don't know how, how to end that. I promote, I promote you. you to the industry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't use that advice, but it's it's just a phrase. (laughs) I mean, even I don't, I mean, it's hard for us too. It's like, especially when you work like they're friends, right? So that's even harder. But like when you've worked with someone and you're in a position like that and it's, it's hard being on either end. I know people are like, oh, boo-hoo. It's so hard being the one firing the other. Like, I I get that. I get that. Like, it's, it's harder being on the end where you're being fired. No one is debating that. And so there's, you don't have to have any sympathy for the person that's firing you. But what I am saying is that it's not easy to be for that to happen easily. Like it's not, it's not easy for someone on the other end to just be really graceful when firing you. Oh my God. No, it's like, it's a terrible situation. I mean, I used to work in the automotive industry and my, I had this one boss that I, I've talked about before that I love dearly because he had such a big heart. But anytime he had to let somebody go, and we're in sales, so firing happens like all the time. He had to let somebody go for something egregious, and he had to, he always like had to take a, like a day to mourn, right? Because and I actually think that that's a healthy practice is that if you have to let somebody go, and um, by the way, when you are letting somebody go, this is going to sound inhumane, but that person has put themselves in that situation. Like we are not in a day and age, hopefully, where people are just getting fired, like left and right. Like there has been like, nobody wants to fire anybody. Like if, if like they're getting fired, it's usually like a course of actions, hopefully that have happened. Anyways, he would take a day to mourn. And I, and I think that that's, it's almost a good practice. Like it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be yeah. bad if it happens. Yeah. That's an important call out. Like, look, sometimes there's layoffs and it's a business decision. It's financial, like, it's a cost-cutting procedure. It's it's hard. It sounds so harsh. You feel like a number. You feel like a line item. It is harsh. It feels awful, but it's not a performance thing. And sometimes there, it's a performance thing. And look, and sometimes cost-cutting is like, hey, let's look at performance and decide who to cut. I'm not saying those things don't overlap, but in times where you may have gotten a little bit more runway, a bigger chance to try and grow and you know, et cetera, develop in times where like financially the the organization is not doing well, 
that runway gets smaller. So anyway, there is an overlap, but sometimes <laughs> it's just pure, but, but it sometimes it's purely performance to your point. And you've, that person has put themselves in there. And I would often say like, if someone is completely blindsided when they're being fired, that, that is so rare. That is so rare. You have to have like a Shandy type personality. Or they're like, a narcissist. <laughs> okay. I'm kidding. I'll stop bringing it up. <laughs> Yeah, be careful. <laughs> you too might be a narcissist in Kara's eyes. Um, <laughs> no, I but... said, here's the criteria, though. If you ever even ask yourself, do I have narcissistic behavior tendencies? That means that you're not one. Because if you are a narcissist, then you're never doing any kind of self inquiry. Like, like, narci- like someone with like that, that's on that narcissism spectrum, they're never like analyzing themselves. They just think that the way that they show up in the world is just like the way that they show up and other people should get used to it. So if you are wondering, hey, am I a narcissist? Does Kara think I am one? By the way, I would never judge you. But if you're even having that thought, you're not one. You're <laughs> off the hook. <laughs> okay. Okay. But so sometimes it's, it's a performance thing. And I truly believe that 99.9% of the time, both parties it like know that it's the right thing to do, even if it stinks, yes. even if it hurts, even if you don't like that you're the one that didn't make the decision that someone made the decision for you. It is often very mutual, yeah. like because you're like, you know what, I knew it wasn't working, and I, you know, I, I, you know what, I knew it was time to go on. You know, I like I was thinking about leaving, but I didn't have the guts to leave. Like most of the time, people one of the, the, you might feel a huge mix of emotions, but part of it is relief because it's probably been stressing you out because you know, it's not working. Yeah. And so a little bit of like the decision has been made and like frees you up to figure out the next step can feel healthy in a way. Yes. And, and, and from a different perspective too, if people are struggling with like making that decision um, and it, again, it's hard. Like you have to remind yourself that like your responsibility of a leader as a leader of a team, and especially if you're a leader of other leaders is creating a healthy culture, right? So a culture is only as strong as the worst behavior that you tolerate. So if you have people who are like have egregious actions, and I see this happen way more than I would like it to, is that people like want to keep giving all these second chances, even though they have someone that's like being really disrespectful to the people that are around them, or is like, you know, like talking shit about like the CEO or talking shit about leaders, like they have all these really like bad behaviors. But then the person that is their leader is like, oh, but they just they just need a little bit more time let's like let's help them do this but it goes on years and years and years and they're leaving like a path of destruction like you that that person is is hurting your culture and you're letting them destroy your company like and you you have to be strong enough to recognize that and and do something about it like your responsibility is the culture and is the health of those teams it it's not it's not thinking that you're going to save everybody in your company I agree with you. I 100% agree with you. And I think the reason that's hard is because folks in that position are often they themselves being measured not by how healthy their mm-hmm. culture is, but by how much revenue they bring in, how much cost cutting, like it, they are being measured often by some sort of absolutely financial metric, some sort of quantifiable metric that when push comes to shove, they can't be like, yeah, sorry, we didn't hit this quarter's quota, but I helped fix the culture, you know, they'd be like, what? So I think I agree with you because the, the, they're connected. Like you can't 
the the healthier the team, the more productive, creative you're going to be. However, like it sometimes feels very much at attention because it like, you know, people are being uh what's the word, you know, rewarded oh, for and sure. tracked for financial performance right or or you know units sold or units created or whatever yeah yeah i i i you know how i feel on this is that the reward system and the kpis are yeah. one of the biggest reasons why cultures get destroyed is because we're tracking yeah. and we are rewarding the wrong behaviors yeah i i like that there's been more movement towards team level objectives mm-hmm. And that's versus individual. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Do that. If you can make that change, I know it might be hard, right? We're all working in broken systems, but if you can move, if you can move the rewards or if you can move to KPIs to a team level, that will make, that'll make a huge difference on, on whatever it is that you're trying to influence or lead. There's like that saying that which gets measured gets done and Mm -hmm. that which gets rewarded gets done. So like, you need to really look at like, what is it that you're measuring and what is it that you're rewarding? Cause like, does it matter what you say? People are going to do that, yeah. right? Because that's what their salary depends on. That's what their bonus depends on. That's what their promotion depends on. That's what their internal reputation depends on. So um, you can't say like culture, 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 and then like reward people who hit certain goals. Reg- like it's an incongruency. Yeah. Yeah. If there's incongruency that is detected, then those values don't mean anything anymore. They have lost their integrity and you, and they don't have any power anymore. Yeah. I will say with, uh, okay. Last thing on this, sorry, we could talk about this topic all day long about the fact that like keeping around those bad actors can destroy an organization and how do you prevent them from, you know, getting a grasp into it. Uh, the last thing I'm going to say on this too, is that, so a company can have its values and hopefully they are, they are evolved enough. So those values actually mean something and it's not just stuff that's on a wall that just doesn't mean anything. Right. Um, but what also organizations need to do is have leadership values. And that's something Virginia and I work with a lot of organizations on is like, what does it mean to be a leader in this organization? And those sometimes they can be the same as, as the company values, but there's a different spin, but it's really important that you have those leadership values spelled out so that, because a lot of people, when they, especially they don't get leadership training, they're just like Nate, right? They move into that position. They don't have leadership training. They've probably never read a book and they don't know what it it feels very ambiguous. They don't know what it means inside of your organization. So it's really important to have that criteria. And that way you can enter those conversations when those leaders are not exhibiting those behaviors and say, this is what it means to be a leader inside of my organization. And this is how you are not practicing those leadership behaviors. We either got to fix it or you got to go take your talents elsewhere because we need to make sure that we have a healthy culture. Yeah. I mean, I, I've I've worked with organizations on projects where they have like an existing competency model, right? Mm-hmm. Like at this, for this role at this level, this is what it means. So a competency model, for those who don't know, basically it's like a, it's like a grid, right? You take every sort of individual role, whether you're in marketing or finance or what have you and so on. And then the various levels that exist within your organization and you set the expectations of what it means to be in that role at that level. And so I've worked with companies where they also want to create that for what is a competency model? of a people manager, of a leader? What is the expectation of you as well? Not just 
like your functional role at this level, but when you are responsible for the careers of others, Mm -hmm. what is expected of you. And so that's, um, and being very explicit about that, that, that this is also an expectation we have of you and your performance here and how you contribute to our business is showing up this way is it being explicit about it helps. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, before we wrap up, because, you know, obviously this, this episode was a lot about how to humanely fire someone, but Ted in all his Tedness um, has this really gorgeous Ted moment at the end. Right. So we know that the team's losing even with Zava and then Zava all of a sudden for this big game is a no show. He posts a video on social media. And then finally, it seems like finally the team is out of their trance and <laughs> can see through his bullshit. Except Danny. Danny's still devastated. He's like, but um, he's like, we could have just like, we could have just kept him here. It would have been fine. <laughs> yeah. Ted was like, what are you like supposed to like tie him up and chain him to the locker? And Danny's like, we could have tried. <laughs> but, but other than, other than that, the team is, I think, finally seeing through his bullshit and um so at the end ted has this like really beautiful thing he says like look we didn't need zaba all you need to do is believe and then the believe sign falls and they're like and then you know because they feel like it's a symbol or a sign right a sign about the sign and he's like this is just a sign and he rips it up and he's like look belief is more than just you can't it's more than just hanging it up on a wall it comes from inside you right and so he has this really honest moment where he's like i'm sick of feeling all these gunky feelings aren't you you know like belief like he's like i want to have the belief that i matter i want to believe that regardless of what i do or don't achieve that i'm important i want to believe that we all deserve to be love i want to believe in hope right i want to believe that i that we that you know you can all get better right and then he just rips up the sign into even smaller pieces and that was really beautiful so this beautiful. moment of like yeah he showed a new level of vulnerability as a leader in that scene when he kind of admitted that he himself was sick of carrying around those gunky feelings mm-hmm. versus always being super chipper. Yeah. Um, and, and like false chipperness, right? Like, well, yeah, yeah, totally. You know, um, there's, there's this quote in emotional intelligence that like your, your emotions and energy are contagious. Like what they really are is contagious. And I think this first season we've been seeing that with Ted is that his, like, um, his kind of depression and his hopelessness have been contagious to the team. And, mm. and that, that speech is where it's starting to turn around because he's getting real. He's getting real about what's yeah. going on with him. And he's almost, he's having this declaration that he's ready to change. And by him being ready to change as the leader of this team, the team's going to be ready to change as well. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was lovely. It was beautiful. Yeah. Well, that wraps up our recap of season three, episode five, Signs. Join us next time where it's the episode where they go to Amsterdam. Yay! Most romantic scene ever to be on television. I don't know if it'll ever be surpassed. I know. It's a great episode. We're excited. And we have, we're going to have a surprise guest. So stick with us and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we want to keep the conversation going. Share your leadership stories with us, whether they're dreams come true or some nightmares you want to talk through. You can visit us at poponleadership.com or over at Instagram at poponleadership. 
And a very special thanks to our friends and family who have supported us from the beginning and to Pam Rodriguez who helped make this crazy dream a reality. Thank you. See you next time.